Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Morning, everyone. Happy Easter. And Derek is an octogenarian, and you've still got a great, powerful voice, my friend. If I could sing like that, I would be singing now, because the name of, or the, the title for our session this morning is In the Name of Love. And there was a great song by you too, um, which says, it starts off the first verse, one man came in the name of love, one man come and go, one man come he to justify, one man to overthrow. And then the chorus is, in the name of love, what more in the name of love? Um, I won't sing it for you, would spoil it. But that one man that he's alluding to is Jesus Christ. He also talks about Martin Luther King, who was another example of nonviolent resistance as the only way to bring about changes in civil rights in his case. But the song is about singular people, including Christ as a man who lived their life, not in a boastful way, but as an expression of God's love for all humanity. Christ did what he did to demonstrate God's message of love to all of us. And we'll see some more of that as we go through this little talk. It will be no more than 15 minutes, so don't worry. I'm not going to bore you, hopefully. Um, I would like you now to just watch this video clip from a movie that's just been released, um, tremendous movie called Risen. When the Messiah comes, Rome will be nothing! Until then, the Nazarene said he'd rise again after three days. We will lose peace and order if it's true. Will the people believe it? The weak will. There will be no other gods. Kill him. The tomb is sealed, guarded with your life. Tyrion, Pilate summons you. The body has vanished. His tomb is empty. Where else he gone? You tell me. Already they're proclaiming him risen from death. The Emperor cannot arrive to unrest. We must find a body. Oh, no! Home the city for bodies dead in the last week. Take them up. Everyone. His disciples. Where are they hiding his corpse? It was not his followers. Another body, sir. Just revealed. No. Who told you the Nazarene was alive? Mary Magdalene. You're looking for something you'll never find. Open your heart and see. No more lies. What happened to the body? The ropes, they just exploded. You should have returned by now. 
I have seen two things which cannot reconcile. A man dead without question. And that same man alive again. Risen. Looks good, doesn't it? It's the story of Easter seen through the eyes of a Roman centurion who was a non-believer. So the question is this morning, what is the Easter story really? Who and what is it about and why do we celebrate it? You know, my generation and maybe the generation after me were brought up to understand the story. We were taught about it in school. But as our society has become more secular and multicultural, so our children grow up without hearing the true Easter story and what it really means. The fact that Jesus was crucified on a cross, he died, was buried, and yet came back to life again on the third day is the fundamental belief of all Christians. This is our faith, our belief system. And ever since that day, some 2,000 years ago, people have tried to discredit and disprove this fact without success. That movie, Risen, looks at the events through the eyes of the Roman soldier who was there at the time, and they didn't want to believe it. Every generation since has tried in vain to prove that it wasn't true. But I guess the question for us today is, why is this significant? Why is it so important? What does it mean to us today? And how is all this relevant? Now looking at the media, you would think that Easter is about being on holiday from school or from work, about chocolate eggs and Easter bunnies, cards that say Happy Easter with nice pictures of little chicks, etc. Now the significance in the egg, I was a kid, you know, my mom told me that within that egg, an ordinary egg, chicken egg, was the means to create a new life. And when the egg shell is broken open, out springs this new life, the chick. So the chocolate Easter egg was meant to represent the tomb. And when the tomb was opened and the egg was broken, out came Christ to offer us all new life. Now that, that's kind of gone. You know, I, ask, I often ask um, uh, young people when I see them, what they understand about Easter. And we were childminding yesterday while Vanessa was out having a spa day, much deserved spa day. And we took the two kids out for a walk and some other kids in the street, one of them would be about 10, 11, 12, said, is Ben coming out to play? Got talking to this little girl, Ellie, and uh, I said, are you, are you enjoying the Easter holiday? She said, oh yes. Do you know what Easter's all about? No. Have you heard about Jesus? No. And that's just kind of commonplace these days. And it's, and it's pretty sad. So Friday had just gone. We describe it as Good Friday. And it's strange that we should recall the day that Jesus was murdered cruelly, crucified on a cross as being good. The German word, which I can't pronounce, refers to Good Friday as Sorrowful Friday. And it was sorrowful in many respects. 
But it was good because Jesus had a life mission. He came with a purpose that was much greater than any one person could ever imagine or achieve. You see, ever since the very first human beings, and we know them as Adam and Eve, we've rejected God as our creator. We've gone our own way. In our lives as if there is no God to whom we should be accountable. We do our own thing. Kind of, if it feels good and we're not overtly hurting anyone, then that's fine. Well, God calls that sin. We were created to have relationship with him, but we decided that we didn't want that. Look around your neighborhood, your town, your city, your country, and the world, and you will see the consequences of that. But through his words and actions, Jesus proved that he is the Son of God, sent to live among us, completely pure and blameless, in the way that he lived his life. He showed us that God had a plan of redemption for us. He showed us the true meaning of love. So let's return to that day 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. An event occurred that permanently changed the world. Because of that event, history was split. Every time you write a date, you're using the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the focal or starting point. What does this mean to us today? In one sense, Jesus Christ is still on trial. He's on trial in the heart and mind of every person who has not yet acknowledged him as the Son of God, the Saviour of the world. And the question is, was Jesus a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? Jesus claimed to be the Saviour of the world. In the book of John, in chapter 12, it's recorded, he's recorded as saying, I didn't come to judge the world, I came to save it. Some people say, I believe Jesus was a good teacher, but he couldn't be just a good teacher, because a good person would not say, I'm God, and I'm the only way to heaven, unless it was the truth. So what is your verdict? The question we each have to ask ourselves is, is Jesus who he says he is? Is he God or is he a lunatic or a liar? If he is who he says he is, then when will you start following what he says to do with your life? And that question comes to me too. But you see, I've made my decision I've investigated the alternatives and I come to the conclusion that the truth and the facts of that story 2,000 years ago and the resurrection of Jesus is absolute fact. No one has been able to disprove that. Today, you sit in judgment of Jesus Christ. Just as Pilate asked, what shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Christ? You also must decide whether or not he was who he said he was. But as you consider your verdict, think on this. In Psalm 57, it says, He will send down help from heaven to save me because of his love. And there's a myth that says that you've got to clean up your act before you can come to God. You've got to be able to say, 
I've got it all together. Some say, I've got to get it all together. There are a few things I need to get right in my life first, and then I'll come to God. Well, you know, that's a bit like washing the dishes before you put them in the dishwasher. Why do we do this? The truth is, God doesn't expect us to clean up our act before we approach The death and resurrection of Jesus is God's statement on that. Jesus spread out his arms and he said, I love you this much. Now just come as you are. Just come as you are. In Psalm 57, the Bible says, He will send down help from heaven to save me because of his love. That's what Jesus did on Easter. And that's why we can bring our messes and our failures to him. Some people think that God will never love them because they've made such a mess of their lives. But you know, God wants them to come as they are. We've all made messes. I don't think there's anybody alive now or in history who can say they went through life without making a mess, without making a mistake, without doing something wrong. How many of us have still got skeletons in the cupboard that we would hate for people to know about? The reality, the one person who doesn't fit into that category is Jesus Christ. In Romans 5 and 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if you read the book of John in chapter 3, starting at 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. I don't know whether you saw the media reports recently about the Now this is a research foundation which seeks to, quote, transfer human consciousness to computers and robots, unquote. The firm has created thousands of highly detailed mind clones to record the memories, values, and attitudes of specific people. Using this data, scientists created a replica of the wife of the company's founder. The robot is named... Bina 48. Made of skin-like rubber, it makes facial expressions, greets people, and has conversations all made possible through facial and voice recognition software, motion tracking, and internet connectivity. Now, I'm not sure that my wife would want a clone of me, and I'm not sure she'd want lots of things I've said to be recorded and repeated ad infinitum, nor along with some of my gestures. And, um, and my facial expressions. I think Sheila would agree with that one as well. Um, at least 56,000 people have given information to create mind files that can one day be uploaded to a robot or a holograph. And according to the company, everything down to a person's mannerisms and quirks can be recreated. Now, can you see that the driver behind all of this is the desire for immortality. And that's basic to human nature. There's something in us that wants to outlive us. 
even 32% of atheists and agnostics believe in an afterlife, which is interesting. We have this desire to live forever because God gave it to us. It's part of his plan for us. He created us to live forever with him in paradise. This world is just the first step towards that world. It's a means to an end. But you know what? It was sin that intruded. Sin separated us from our God. But he foresaw this problem. So he made a plan before time began to solve our sin problem and to restore us to himself. Every other religion, every other faith, every other belief system in the world is based on man reaching up to God, trying to appease this awesome, fearsome God who will strike them down if they don't do what he says. The difference between all of those other belief systems and Christianity is Jesus Christ. This was God reaching down to us. This was God reaching out to us, telling us, you don't have to strive. I love you so much. I created you. I've solved the problem for you. You just have to believe and trust in my son, Jesus Christ. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians. And millions of Christians around the world celebrate Easter every year. But the problem is far too many of us, for far too many of us, the story has become sort of boring and, and mundane and we've lost a sense of what it really means. We've got the basic facts down. Jesus was arrested, he was crucified, and three days later God raised him from the dead. But we miss something very important. We miss what turns Easter from a one-dimensional holiday into a multi-dimensional, life-transforming way of life. We miss that the story of the resurrection isn't just Jesus' story. It's our story as well. You see, as Rick Warren reminds us, you are part of the resurrection. Jesus' death and resurrection didn't just prove there was life after death. The resurrection proves that you can have life after death. That there's life beyond your grave. Jesus says if you trust him, death becomes a transition, not an ending point. You know, one day, your heart will stop. And that will be the end of your body. But it will not be the end of you. God made you to last forever. And that's why you often have this feeling that there's got to be more to life than this. Jesus made this amazing promise in John chapter 11. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now that's quite a promise. Jesus proved he could do it by resurrecting himself. Otherwise, as I said earlier, we would have no reason to believe it. If Jesus hadn't died on the cross and been resurrected all those thousands of years ago, you and I would have zero chance of getting to heaven. No hope of the afterlife and no eternal life. The Bible says, His power, God raised the Lord from the dead and He will raise us also. This Easter, that's the truth that our lives hang upon. It's great news that Jesus rose from the dead. But what turns that truth from black and white to living colour is that one day, if you trust in him, he will raise you from the grave too. Now that's real, true love. That's the promise of Easter. Think about it. It really is something worth celebrating. 